Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer. I'm in Los Angeles. Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Jay's in San Diego. And Jay, the Padres will be back in San Diego playing again this year. First playoff game at home in front of fans in 16 years. Today, we will talk about the first two games in the series, uh, NL Division Series against the Dodgers. And, you know, we should talk about what happened in New York over the weekend. Jay, where do you want to start? Well, I, I do think it, it will be great to have a game or two games here this weekend. My tickets already showed up yesterday in my account. The Padres wasting no time getting those out to season ticket holders uh, for at least game three was what I noticed. So that's uh, that's good. I think we should start with what happened in New York. I mean, we we said when we did the uh, when we did this last week that we would be back on Tuesday, and you would either be in Los Angeles or you would be at your home here in San Diego, and you're in a hotel, which is <laughs> where you are a lot uh, over this uh, six or eight month period. But um, hey, what's more fun than playoff baseball, Kevin? I mean, even when you don't get to sleep and you fly across the country yesterday and and you you write a good story about mike clevenger who's been waiting two years for this day uh but let's start with new york friday night you darvish was fantastic uh the padres beat up on max scherzer and maybe scherzer wasn't 100 percent. maybe he was doesn't really matter you know he was out there and the padres jumped on him early and often what stood out from that game or, or from the weekend even for uh, for you for for me, the, the intensity of the playoffs is amazing. Now, I will be really interested to see what happens with this Dodger Stadium crowd, 56,000 people. It's always the loudest place in the majors because they get an extra ten to 15,000 over anybody else. But what happens in New York is they turn on you if you're the home team. <laughs> so the home field advantage becomes almost an advantage to the other team because the Padres, and I've talked to several of them, are are standing there in pregame introductions. The crowd is going nuts. It's let's go Mets. There's cursing at the Padres. The towels are waving. Josh Bell hits a home run in the first inning. Right, right. S- silence. Every ensuing home run off Max Scherzer, and there were three mm-hmm. more, and is booze. Max Scherzer is booed. (laughs) Everything the Mets start to do is booed. No longer is the crowd standing at two strikes as they were early in the Mm -hmm. game. No longer are they uh, cursing and booing every close call that the umpire doesn't uh, make on a ball or a strike. I mean, that's how intense New York is and how intense the playoffs is. But then when the visiting team gets the home crowd out of it, it switches, and that was remarkable. And then, of course, the two pitching performances. I mean, you, Darvish, all year, but against the Mets, and good news for the Padres, against the Dodgers, for the most part, has been right. really good. And then Joe Musgrove, wow. He now has the first, the only, no-hitter in team history, and he has just a fantastic performance on a giant stage. He even has the benefit of being mentally tough enough to overcome Buck Walter's mind games, which only adds <laughs> to the lore of that game. So those are the things that really stood out for me. Yeah, it's interesting because I think the, the Musgrove performance on its own was <laughs> was incredible. And to me, it's 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 basically that and Kevin Brown uh, in, in game one of the 98 98- series against Randy Johnson in Houston. And and I got to give a nod to, to our friend Tom Krasovic, our colleague Tom Krasovic, who, who noted before the series that Darvish that Darvish could was in that position and the Padres were in a position where pitching could do that. And it reminded him a little bit of 98. And Darvish had that kind of a game. And then Musgrove exceeded it 
on Sunday. And yes, what Joe Walter did is going to make it seem even bigger in the future because more people will remember the game uh, because of that. It's like there have been great pitching performances in the playoffs that get talked about in the postseason that get talked about all the time. You know, Jack Morris and all those all those kind of all those kind of games that live on forever. But when there's something like what happened Sunday with the with the umpires checking Musgrove, that just adds to the lore, as you as you said. And I think my favorite moment out of that was Alfonso Marquez, who was in this weird position of having to do this. And it was almost like you couldn't tell, but I'd love to have the microphone there. It was like he was asking Musgrove, like, okay, I'm going to check your ears now. Is that okay? Yep. Um, That's exactly what happened. Yeah. And it was like this sort of moment of being courteous during all this. Like, I'm just not going to reach out and, and, you know, grab your ears. I'm going to ask you about it first. It just struck me as uh as funny. I, I did think and and Musgrove's comments afterwards about Showalter being desperate and the Mets being desperate, I did think there was certainly a, a hint and an air of desperation uh about all about all of that. Well let me tell you there's a couple things that really you know I thought were were instructive. I thought were you know fascinating uh uh, first off, the New York media. I mean, Max Scherzer's a bum now. Uh, you know, <laughs> Degrom shouldn't be resigned. I mean, I'm not saying I disagree with the Degrom thing. I'm just, I'm just saying, like the New York media goes like the fans go there. They're really hard on the team, or you're a genius. And let me tell you something: if that had worked, if if Joe Musgrove had allowed two runs in that inning, right? Buck Show Walter would statue. It, it, there would be a statue, it maybe in Manhattan, but definitely in Queens. There would be a statue of him because it would have been the greatest move ever. Now he's an idiot. It happens in New York, and it's just bigger. And here's the other thing, folks. Yes, there is an East Coast bias. All right, they're three hours ahead of us. It's the you know the media capital. Uh, they, but also you know what? Their teams go to the playoffs. Yeah. The Padres were the only team playing. The Padres and the Mets were the only baseball teams playing that night. It's the playoffs. There are millions of people watching. So now more people have Joe Musgrove in their consciousness. More people know that Trent Grisham had a terrible season. Do you know that 99.9% of baseball fans didn't know Trent Grisham had a terrible season until (laughs) he had a really good division series? It's the playoffs. That's where the, the, the Padres will get noticed and get more of their due that we all feel that they don't get. Well, this was their seventh time to the postseason this was their 11th series this was their fourth series victory like i mean they really haven't been very good so this is a really big moment for the padres right and the last time they they had a moment like this was the cardinal series a couple years ago and i do think that was big i mean that was a nice comeback and all that stuff but it sort of disappeared quickly the next week and it was just different there were no fans they went on to play the dodgers in the you know a sterile environment in texas you know, was not the same as what we're going to see this week. And and we'll get to that in just a second. We, sh- we do need to talk about Trent Grisham and, and what he did over the weekend. The one thing I thought was Bob Melvin did a really nice job this year with the Padres. He created a great culture, I think, for the team. You know, strategic decisions, I'm not sure how much they made a difference. You and I agreed with some. We disagreed with some. You know, you and I disagreed on what we disagreed on. But I don't think I I do think Melvin is getting I I don't want to say too much credit, but he's getting credit for something where it was sort of a no brainer decision to play Trent Grisham. Now, he 
he could and he would tell you that. He, right. He could have instilled some confidence in Grisham. You know, I don't know what kind of talks they had or anything, and all that stuff is great. But the idea of actually playing Trent Grisham, that was his only choice was to play Trent Grisham. We talked about it on Friday that they were not going to start Jose Azokar in that big outfield. They were not going to start Will Myers in center. Um, you know, it was play Trent Grisham and hope he runs into one. And he round up, wound up running into two for home runs. He wound up, you know, on Sunday night reaching base all four times. And all credit to Trent Grisham. He had other moments during the season where he did this, where he was where he was good. He had a lot more moments where he was bad, and he would be the first to admit it. He also made a, a couple very nice catches. One, one which I thought was the one coming in, I thought was, okay, you should make that play. The one Sunday night was a great play. That was a lot of ground to cover. The wall's there. I'm sure the crowd is loud as the ball was flying out there. There's a lot to focus on. That was a really, really, really good play at a big moment for the Padres. And Grisham was, you know, along with the pitchers, he's your MVP over the weekend in, oh. uh, in New York. Now, he may turn around this week. And it's not going to be easy, you know, for him against the Dodgers with all the lefties that they have. But he already, you know, he had his moment over the weekend, and all credit, uh, all credit to Grisham for, uh, um, you know, for that. He was big. Bell had a home. Bell had a big home run. You know, Machado was okay. Juan Soto had a couple big hits. So Machado failed in a couple situations. You know, his home run came when they were up six nothing. He did have a big hit on Sunday. But Soto was good. I mean, he still didn't provide any slugging, but the hit on Sunday night was huge. Going from 4 nothing to 6 nothing was uh, basically the end of the series at that point. So the downside, real quick, Jake Cronenworth didn't have a hit. The first base platoon, of, uh, so to speak, of Myers and Drury did not have a hit, although Myers did hit the ball hard a couple of times. Those guys could be big this week, though, because, again, with all the lefties, they're going to need Myers and Machado and Drury um, to really, you know, Austin Nola, who had a good weekend, to really come up against the Dodgers. Yeah, if if some other people uh, keep hitting, and and quite honestly, if Manny Machado hits better, he did not have a good series. You were generous uh, with him. Now, of <laughs> course, yes, he he had a couple hits, and it could even have been bigger. Uh, he put them in position to even score more on Sunday. But uh, you know, at one point, I think he finished one for or three for thirteen. He was one for eleven, and he yeah. at one point. I think he was one for 10 and he'd struck out five times. So, uh, and, and he left people on base, like seven people on base. He's terrible with runners in scoring position. He's not good in the playoffs. All right. Look, Manny Machado might be your MVP for the regular season, but we just talked about what Trent Grisham did. And, yeah. you know, the playoffs is what a lot of people treat the regular season like. You know, the emails that I start getting in the second inning on June 26th in Colorado about how a guy sucks and they'll never win with him. Well, that's the postseason, folks. That's not June. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to put it together enough good games to get to the postseason and then it matters um if that's what if that's what you're going to expect of the Padres this is what it's all about and Manny hasn't been good the good news is he's been good against the Dodgers in his career he's been good against the Dodgers um in the uh with the Padres and he's been the only guy who's been good against uh, Julio Arias who's pitching tonight but we'll talk about that as long as some other people can keep hitting we can still have the good the feel-good story about Will Myers and his defense over there but <laughs> Will Myers needs to hit you're absolutely right yeah. Brandon Drury needs to hit uh absolutely uh, Jake Cronenworth needs to hit again he'll be facing lefties but look 
when they've been going good, this has not been about left-right for Jake Cronenworth and Trent Grisham. They can right. hit lefties when they're going good. And from my understanding, and it's it's just amazing how difficult this game is, Trent Grisham hit rock bottom and said, okay, I'm going to start swinging. <laughs> okay, I understand you can, you can be like, what? You're not a Major League Baseball player, folks, and neither am I. This is a, I almost said a bad word, this is a really difficult game. And Trent Grisham's strength, has been his plate discipline his entire life. It made him a first-round pick. It got him to the majors. It had him be practically, if there had been an all-star game in 2020, he might have been one. I mean, this guy's got a lot of confidence. It took that confidence getting shattered, and he did not strike out in the division series. And, you know, a lot of times we can't tell um, from – our vantage point, wherever that is in the stadium. Of course, the box really helps us on TV, but we can't tell. And so sometimes you'll see a close pitch and you'll wonder is it in, in your mind right away, is it a ball or a strike? Well, this season, um, past seasons, you go, oh no, Trent Grisham knows that was a ball. This season, when he took a pitch, you go, oh, well, Trent just took a strike. Um, yeah. In the division series, it was back like I was watching Trent Grisham 2020. And it was that kind of confidence, that kind of plate uh, awareness, strike zone awareness. Um, and and so it was like, from my understanding, from people that I talked to, yeah, it really was that simple. It's not simple. He's been doing a lot of work. But of, yeah. I can't be that guy or, or I'm just going to keep going up there. I'm not going to play and I'm not going to help this team. So, all right, well, let's go on to – what's really ahead, which is a series against the Dodgers who have, I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. They have completely dominated the Padres over the last decade. Um, But certainly in the, uh, in the immediate, in the immediate past, what is it? 23 out of 28 um, that the, uh, that the Dodgers have won. They were 14 and five against the Padres this season. Four of the Padres five wins came in the Padres final at bat. Uh, three of them were in extra innings when they had the Manford man on second base, who does not exist now. So who knows what will happen there? Um, this is a huge undertaking. Uh, there's a lot of places to start. I guess we, we should start with the Dodgers won 111 games this year. Um, not a lot of teams in baseball history have been good enough to win 111 games. The interesting thing to me is you look at their lineup and the top five guys most nights, the top four especially, and then Justin Turner in the second half, those guys are as good as there is. I mean, it's unreal. uh, Yes. I mean, especially the top three where you start with Betts, Trey Turner, and Freddie Freeman. Uh, Will Smith is always dangerous, always seems to kill the Padres. Um, Justin Justin Turner always seems to kill kill the Padres. So that's five guys right there. The rest of their lineup, it's remarkable how bad it is when you look at some of their numbers. You know, Cody Bellinger is a shell of what he used to be. Max Muncy was not good this year. Uh, Trace Thompson had some moments. Joey Gallo is – I can't even believe Joey Gallo's on the team. Um, you know, uh, Gavin Taylor. Lux was pretty good and got hurt. Uh, Chris Taylor was was not good this year. But it doesn't matter because, those, for one thing, those guys do still hit home runs. Um, yeah. Yeah. Dodgers hit a lot of home runs. And they always seem to come up with timely hits, at least against the Padres. Some – one or two of those guys has a big hit a game against the Padres. And the other side of it is the Dodger pitching, the starting pitching, is really good. Really, really good. Julio Arias, Clayton Kershaw will pitch games one and two. Both of them have ERAs in the in the low twos, I believe, not just in the twos. 
but in the low twos. And look, it's hard to score against the Dodgers. Tyler Anderson had a great year. You know, I don't know what you can ex- anybody can expect from Tony Gonsolin. They lost Dustin May. I don't know if he'll be back. They lost Walker Bueller. They're still really good. They're tough to score against. I think the only hope is to keep it close and get into the bullpen. Of course, I'm also the guy who said the Padres aren't going to win games against the Mets by scoring six and seven runs. They won one game with seven. They won one game with six. So I'll let you go from there. Well, that's the first thing I thought of when you said that the only hope. Uh, and, and look, getting into the Dodgers bullpen is not like getting into other teams' bullpens either, as you know. Like uh, now, their bullpen has been a little suspect, and so, yeah. uh, and I certainly think that you're right. I mean, that is the better play. But uh, look, how about they worry about getting past Arias? Uh, and, and, and Kershaw. As far yeah. as uh, Kershaw, they only faced twice this year. One of them was in April and one was in July. He pitched well in both. Uh, Arias owned them. Uh, and especially in September, I think the final two, both, yeah. I mean, the last one, they weren't even expecting it. Like they were like five innings and out. Well, he was only at like 80 or 75 pitches after five innings. Yeah. He finished, I think, 93 pitches in six innings, shut out. Uh, I think a couple hits. Manny Machado has three home runs off him. They're the only extra base hits the Padres have off him. Um, I believe Manny's the only person that has multiple hits off him. They hit something like 169 against him this year. Uh, mm-hmm. This was not as as facing one guy goes, this is not a small sample size. It was four starts. The Dodgers won all four. They uh, were he was three and zero. Oh. So um, you know the guys won seventeen games. He won twenty games last year. Is a two one something uh, ERA. Yeah. He's going to be the uh, the Cy Young winner probably. Um, nah, I don't think, know about I don't know oh, about come that. on I don't know about that. But we'll we'll see. Yeah, I, don't know. I understand. It's I mean, not the MVP and and uh, but. Uh, Man. I think Alcant- I think Alcantara will at win some point, maybe next year when when uh, Urias wins eighteen games, they're going to give him like a cumulative <laughs> Cy Young. The best. <laughs> Nobody talks about wins anymore, but here's a guy who, when he's out there, the Dodgers the Dodgers win. Whether it's him or anybody else, I, I think Alcantara will win the the Cy Young award. But that, okay, that's All beside right. the point here. Urias, I mean the the I'm looking now. The Dodgers are minus two twenty five favorites. That's a big number. Especially in the uh, especially in the playoffs, and it's because of a combination of Urias pitching for the Dodgers and Mike Clevenger pitching for the Padres. Who look, Clevenger's had his moments with the Padres, and he's had a lot of moments where we haven't seen him or he hasn't been good. Uh, he was not good against the Dodgers this year, for the most part. I mean, I was at the one game in L.A. where he pitched pretty well, and then yep. it all just fell apart. Uh, and and Mun- and Will Smith got a couple big hits off him, and then Muncie uh, got the crushing, the crushing. If he hit can off pitch him. like that tonight, Jay. Yeah, the Padres. He'll be out before he gets yeah. to that point where, in the sixth inning, those guys have a chance to see him a third time. He'll yeah. be gone. Yeah. So if he can pitch like that tonight, the Padres will be in good shape. Uh, it, you know, provided that. Uh, <laughs> and, they, so they who's na- and so who's and na- so who's so who's when he leaves after four. Or five? Is it Nick Martinez? If he goes in? after five, you're, you'll see Nick Martinez, and then Nick Martinez. You would hope would go five six, and then or six seven, yeah, or six seven. I'm sorry, and then you would see uh, 
probably Garcia. I don't know what type part of the order's up. It could be Suarez. Yeah. But Suarez is your eighth inning guy. Suarez for two months has been exactly what they signed uh, yeah. out, of, out of Japan. Uh, I mean, it's it's remarkable. He's no, he really the last has. two months. He has been your you know the guy who if they hadn't have gotten gone out and gotten Taylor Rogers and and Josh Hader who between them, for as bad as they were, were the best closer in the game, besides Edwin <laughs> Diaz this year, <laughs> but uh, are the most, I should say, have gotten the most saves yeah. uh, for the Padres. And so I think their bullpen is in a really good shape. I, I can't tell you about Adrian Morahone. The thinking within the organization, and, and Adrian Morahone did not deny it, was that he was overwhelmed. That it was the playoffs. It was super loud. He couldn't hear pitch calm. He yeah. he missed a play that was on. It was a big moment, and Adrian Morahone did not respond. He threw 25 fastballs out of 29 pitches. Yeah, he also didn't get any help from the guy behind the plate that night. But that but again, he you know he didn't pitch very well. That guy was squeezing uh, everybody. But yes. yeah, he didn't he didn't pitch well at all. I shouldn't just say very well. He didn't pitch well at all, and it was a big moment. Their bullpen's in good shape. I'm not sure how many how many of those guys you can really trust. I was counting the other night when Musgrove was pitching, and he was getting through those innings quickly after the first one, which was like, okay, now he's at five innings, and he's right around six. I think it was 59 pitches maybe through five. And it was like, wow, this is pretty good because now he can – you figure if, if nothing falls apart, he can get through at least seven. And then they can, if if they need to, they can go to Suarez and Hader, and they can avoid. Basically, I was looking for ways to avoid almost anybody else yeah. in the bullpen at this moment, and that includes Garcia, who can be good, but there's just something about seeing him out there. Even I, there's just always this sense of uh, something, you know, there, you never quite know. And right now, the two guys that I think anybody would have confidence in are Suarez and Hader. Nick Martinez, I think, is is probably next. Uh, on that list, then Garcia, and beyond that, I mean, it's you know when you get into Hill and and uh, and and Manaya and Morahone and Stephen Wilson, I mean, those are guys I don't think you're going to see if the Padres have a lead uh, of any. Well, kind, here's the. But- you, what you're talking about brings up, yeah, when do you have to use these guys? Like yeah. that three-game series and the difference between a three-game series and a five-game series is giant if you're going to go the you know four or five. Right. Um, that loss went as well as it could for the Padres, right? If, if um, they're down by a run, Bob Melvin trusts Adrian Morahone, but he has to keep him in for three batters. And all three reach base and the bases are loaded. At that point, Bob Melvin has to make a decision. We're down by one. Even if I bring in God right now, he's probably (laughs) going to allow a run. Okay? Because, you know, there's no outs and the bases are loaded. So I'm not going to do it. Let's say the Padres were tied. He makes a, a different decision possibly, and he burns Robert Suarez or or has Josh Hader pitch, and who knows what Josh Hader's like the next day. What I'm saying yeah. is, like, when do you use – when do you have to use? When do you choose to use your relievers? Hey, a blowout loss <laughs> isn't always the worst thing. Like, you win game one, and you get blown yeah. out in game two, and you didn't have to waste any pitchers, and now you're fresh for that home game, game three. That's just an example of how – like things have to kind of go right for you sometimes too, in terms of the decisions that you're forced to make as a manager. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't think, and this, and this week is different because there is no off day between four and five. So that's another thing to look at, but th- there's also the part of it where the Padres were not going to be eliminated on Saturday night. And that helped, that helped Melvin's decision. Yes. He was able to, he was able yes. to manage differently than Showalter you know, who had to go to Diaz or felt he had to go to Diaz really early. The Padres were in a position where they didn't need to do that. 
And and I didn't have an issue with Melvin in that spot, trying more home there and not using Garcia and Suarez, because then if you are going to go to Sunday, now you're going to be asking though, you might be asking those guys to pitch three yes. days in a row. And and I didn't think that was a, a decision that he had to make. It's kind of the same thing tonight. Um, you know, if things go sour tonight in a hurry, they can use some of those other guys to get through it and and not have to use, you know, Suarez and Hader uh, in a game. I, it was interesting to me that the guys on TV kept talking about how, you know, when will they go to Hader and, and Hader is a multi-inning guy. Hader's not a multi-inning guy anymore. Um, and what? it's like, just look at his, they kept talking about when do they go to Josh Hader it's like they'll go to Josh Hader in the ninth inning. That's pretty much when you go to Josh Hader. He's not he's not a multi-inning guy. He was, but it looked right. like in Milwaukee a couple of years ago, he slash they decided that he wasn't that guy anymore. And the Padres, I don't even have they used him once in a sit down, get up, get back up situation? No, because there was an opportunity where they had that opportunity to do it. And Bob Melvin talked about how he hadn't done it. And we were talking about it before Bob Melvin talked about it. Yeah. Um, and and then no matter what, though, Bob Melvin did say, and I'm sure so he must said in his production meetings before every game with, you know, whoever the heck did the game, ESPN. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was talking with us. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, you could use him for four outs. Sure. Um, look, People say that all the time. I mean, yeah. the Mets media was talking about how Edwin Diaz doesn't do good when it's not the ninth inning and things aren't on the line. I All those years in Milwaukee, or I should say the previous two seasons in Milwaukee, all I would hear was how Josh Hader goes one inning and also does not do well in non-save situations. We you know, saw it here a right. few times. Uh, you saw Diaz wasn't as sharp as normal uh, when he came in on Saturday. So, uh, you could say all you want about guys. Closers like to close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's no. And and I think some guys look. Some guys don't have a problem. Oh, sure. Doing the four out, five out type thing. And Hader was a guy who didn't for a while, but for whatever reason, that that has not been what he's done lately. So I I, I don't think we can start looking. You know, with one out in the eighth inning, if the Padres have a lead. Like, when are they going to go to Josh Hader? Now, um, for the record, for the record, on the record, Bob Melvin has said, don't be surprised if I do that. But I'll tell you that I will be a little surprised. But right, it's going to depend right. on the situation. Look, if it's, um, you know, if if it's uh, game four, they're trying to get to game five. That's, yeah. And he's used some guys, and Josh Hader has been throwing well, right? Like, I mean, yeah, okay. Well, and, Maybe that, and that it's happens. like, Fred, yeah, and it's like, okay, there's two outs in the eighth, and Freddie Freeman's coming up. Season could be um, over. Josh yeah. Hader's our guy right now. Then maybe that's then maybe that's different. But I I, I think in general to start thinking like Hader's going to suddenly turn into a two inning guy is not something. The going back to the Dodgers, I, I don't even know who's going to close for them. I mean, one of the, the like their worst reliever this year was probably was their closer in Craig Kimbrell, and they have said that he's not going to be the closer uh, anymore. And but. I, I'm One really of the Padres' interested. victories this year was because yeah. the Dodgers were trying to get Craig Kimbrell right. Yeah, that's they right. They weren't even managing or or whoever pulls the <laughs> levers for the the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, Dave. They weren't even managing to win that game. They were managing to let Craig Kimbrell pitch. Yeah. So I I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I I think Evan Phillips has been their best guy. You know, for uh, for pretty much all of the season out of the bullpen. So we'll see who they uh, 
who they use. It, it doesn't seem like they have a shortage of, like most teams, a shortage of guys that come in and throw 98 because that's basically what a reliever does these days for most uh And they also don't have guys. They don't teams. have a problem. Guys like lefties facing righties, righties facing lefties. They're just like this interchange. They might have a problem with the closer, but they have like these interchangeable seven, eighth inning guys that it's, it's right. just unreal how, how and, good they are. Now, all that said, and and Tom Krasvick wrote this last night. It's in the it's in the paper today. It's online, and uh, you know Bryce wrote about how the Padres. Of course, the Padres are confident they can flip the script against the Dodgers. I thought Tom made some good points about the pitching and where the Padres are in their pitching. Clevenger obviously is whatever struggles he had this year. He's far better off right now than he was when he went into that game in 2020. Uh, Darvish would go tomorrow, then they'd come home and either Musgrove or Snell would go in three or four. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It's Snell's turn, but it would be regular rest for Musgrove. What's your, and then, and then game five would be sort of a, you know, who knows what would happen, but what, what's your sense on games three and four? Is it going to depend on where the series stands or are they going to decide ahead of time? We're just going to stay in rotation. Because Snell has pitched well against the Dodgers. I think they maybe decide after tonight, even if they, you know, I think they decide after tonight, but I think that it's Musgrove. I think it's Musgrove. Uh, that was my sense on uh, Sunday night that that, uh-huh. that they were leaning Musgrove. But you know, if you're facing elimination, you can't risk that you're going to get good snow. Right. No, so, that's a good. That's a good. Very point. good benefit to give Joe an extra day at this point in the season. Sure, absolutely. But um, Joe Musgrove pitched a heck of a game. Joe Musgrove will be locked in to pitch in front of uh, at Petco right. uh, in a playoff game. And and look, we've gone over our, our goal, but it's a playoff. I'll say about this whole confidence thing. I do have the sense they have more confidence. You can't if you've watched as uh, the team that you cover get their brains beat out, not their confidence just shattered. I mean, they'll come in and and win um, game one of a series, and then the Dodgers, it's like they flip a switch and they right, win games right. two, three. Um, if you've watched that a lot, I'm going to admit that there's there's that's hard to get out of my consciousness. It just is, yeah. um, and so you know that I'm big on that, not projecting onto other people, and mm-hmm. not like and trying to be honest about what colored glasses maybe that I'm wearing, whatever the opposite of rose colored are, or what I'm wearing. <laughs> um, but you can't help but when you come to Dodger Stadium, and it's the postseason, but I'm standing in the place that I've stood. All these times watching the Padres stretch and and take batting practice, it, it's hard. It's hard to envision this team beating the Dodgers. That said, they are in as good a position as they have been in a long time to do so because of the pitching. Right, and and I think it. I think the key, and this is if they win tonight. Obviously, that's a huge thing, and it it, it changes a lot of situations. Otherwise. The key is tomorrow night, obviously, with Darvish. Um, you know, look, he's been their best pitcher all year, start in and start out. Uh, he goes six innings every time, usually seven. And if you have to have one guy where the season is basically on the line, which it would be tomorrow, because I don't see any way this team's winning three straight. They might win three out of five against the Dodgers. I don't see him winning three out of three uh, against the Dodgers. They need to win one of these games in L.A., I think Darvish is the guy that you would say, okay, I want him out there, uh, you know, for this for this huge game. And I think they would have to play tomorrow night's game if they lose tonight, like the season is on the line. You know, look, if they come home one to one, 
and they have Snell and Musgrove pitching in games three and four, and they don't have to see Urias and Kershaw, although Tyler Anderson really, really pitched great against them, at least in one game where I think they hit him early and then he retired like, was it like 18 in a row along those lines? So and every it's, it's time not, I watch it, I go, how is this happening? I know, I know. So it's a huge task ahead. We can we can talk on Friday back here after we see the first two games and, and talk about what's ahead for the weekend. But it's not a situation where, you know, I know they did, the Padres did it in 84 against the Cubs, came home, won three games. This would not even be three games at home. This would be, you know, three games with one in LA and you're playing and the, the 84 Cubs were not the 111 win Dodgers of this year. It's a tall task, but Hey, it's not impossible. And it's a lot more fun talking about this and being able to watch at least three more games than it is watching other teams. It's a, it's a really interesting dynamic. I really wish they had reseeded. I think that's how it should have been, but uh, but here they are. And listen, it'll be interesting to see the picks from MLB Network, ESPN. I did not see in all the brackets, I did not see an SD, you know, next to L.A. in, in when yeah. the predictions were made last uh, time. I did not see right. that anywhere. And the, and the Padres certainly noticed that. That's neither here nor there. That's not why they went out and won. No one has talked about us against the world or anything. But, like, they were not – this was supposed to be Dodgers-Mets. That's right. what this and, – right. and here the Padres are. So, we'll yeah. see. And, no, and you know what? You're not going to see any SDs next to Atlanta yeah. or Philadelphia in the bracket going forward either. But that's – Here's what you the, might. You know. Here's why you might. Somebody's gonna try to be cute and be okay. like, "Oh, these guys are hot right now," and here, yeah. and they'll talk themselves into it. But uh, you're the, right; the, we're not gonna see. No one in their right mind is going to pick the Padres over this team that has been so experienced in the playoffs and has owned them for so long. Yeah, well, those are the same people who picked the Chargers to beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Uh, what sport as, is this that you're speaking well. of again? <laughs> the postseason's expanded, so so is the podcast. If you've hung around this long, thank you. And uh, we will be back on Friday morning and we'll talk about what's ahead for the weekend. The one thing we know is the Padres will have a game Friday night at Petco. I would assume be Friday evening and it should be a fun couple days in LA and, and fun to see some playoff baseball back in San Diego. Thanks everybody. Thanks everybody.